Thank you very much for reading for us, uh, Evie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Peter Orr. I'm a member of the uh, 10 o'clock congregation here. Uh, why don't we pray as we look at God's word together? Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the richness of your word. And uh, we pray uh, Paul's prayer at the beginning of uh, Colossians, uh, that as we uh, look at your word uh, this morning, uh, that we would be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, so that we might give thanks to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you had unlimited resources uh, to fix the world, uh, what would you do? Uh, maybe you would do something like uh, end poverty, uh, end uh, racial injustice, uh, improve education, uh, fix the environment, uh, end crime, uh, provide free and high-quality health care, uh, provide free and high-quality broadband, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, there'd be, you know, so many things that we could do, and all of those would be uh, wonderful, but would they really fix the world? Uh, in fact, even if you did have all the resources to do those things, uh, would you actually fix the world uh, with the best health care available to everyone? Uh, people would still get sick and die. As Christians, we know that only God can fix the world. But I think even for those of us who are Christians, we can be a little bit vague. Uh, we know that it's, it's God who can fix the world, but we sort of just think of it in, terms, in general terms. M maybe we're a bit more specific, and we know that uh, God will fix the world when Jesus returns, and that's right, but the Bible is even more specific, and it talks about how the world, uh, the universe, will be fixed. And it uses the idea of reconciliation. The universe will be reconciled. It will be reconciled to God. What does uh, reconciliation mean? Uh, we use it in terms of relationships. Uh, if two people have a relationship breakdown, maybe a married couple, two friends, two colleagues, two siblings... Uh, for that relationship to be restored, they need reconciliation. So as Ben mentioned, uh, this is uh, uh, the beginning of Reconciliation Week. And uh, from the uh, Reconciliation Week website, uh, this is what they say. At its heart, reconciliation is about strengthening relationships between Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and non-Indigenous peoples for the benefit of all Australians. That's a great definition of reconciliation, strengthening relationships, restoring relationships. Well, the Bible is clear that the world, the universe, needs to be reconciled to God. And the Bible's explanation of why this is necessary, uh, we go right back to the beginning of the Bible, uh, Genesis, uh, we see uh, that the world uh, humanity rebelled against God, and so we are out of relationship with Him. And the problem, that fundamental problem, manifests itself in all the ways that we thought about earlier, poverty, injustice, sickness. But to deal with these symptoms, we need to deal with the root cause. And uh, Colossians uh, tells us that God has dealt uh, with these problems by dealing with the root cause. It's not that God will just start again and just magically fix the world. 
No, God does something more profound. He will reconcile the world to himself. He will restore the world. And the way that he does that is through Jesus' death on the cross. And so this morning, we're continuing our series on the cross, and we're going to think about the effects of the cross in terms of reconciliation. The cross brings reconciliation. The cross wonderfully brings reconciliation between uh, people, uh, uh, us and each other, uh, but at a more fundamental uh, level, it brings reconciliation between people and God. I'm going to spend most of our time uh, uh, in uh, chapter 1 of uh, Colossians, and this is perhaps the passage in the Bible that shows us most clearly how important the cross is for reconciliation. And it shows us how the cross is significant because of the one who was crucified on uh, the cross. Uh, Just uh, a very quick orientation to the letter of uh, uh, Paul to the Colossians. Uh, This is a church that hadn't had personal contact uh, with uh, Paul, but he had heard that they were tempted to adopt a form of Christianity that downplays uh, Jesus. Uh, which seems like a contradiction in terms. How can you have a form of Christianity that downplays uh, Jesus? But later in the letter, he warns them against religious practices and ideas that showed that they somehow didn't think that Jesus was enough for their relationship with God. And to pull them back from that tendency, he shows them how wonderful the Lord Jesus is. And so in Colossians, you have some of the most amazing statements about Jesus in the entire New Testament. So if you're ever getting bored with Jesus, such a thing is possible. If if Christianity feels a bit dull, spend some time in Colossians. Uh, Here's a flavor, uh, chapter 2, verse 3. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Jesus. Or chapter 2, verse 6. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. But it's not just Jesus himself that Paul wants them to realize uh, is so great. It's his work on the cross. And as we said, the aspect of his work on the cross that he focuses on is reconciliation. Uh, So uh, three very uh, simple points. First point is that God reconciles everything to himself by the cross of Christ. God reconciles everything to himself by the cross of Christ. Back in uh, chapter 1, verse 19, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Again, do you see the vastness of the claim? Just as uh, everything was created through Christ, all things are reconciled through Christ. Things on earth and things in heaven. And they're reconciled, verse 20, by the blood of the cross. In other words, as significant as the cross is for me and my forgiveness, the death of Christ is so much more than that. It is quite literally the key to God restoring the universe to its proper order. Jesus' blood, Jesus' death, has a cosmic significance. Now, there are two ways that we could uh, misunderstand this idea. Uh, One would be to say too much. 
Uh, some people have, have read uh, this passage and said that this is teaching uh, universalism, that everyone is saved by Jesus, even those who don't believe in him. Now, that's an attractive idea, and you can see why people don't like the idea. It means that there's no hell, there's no judgment. Everyone is saved by Jesus' death. Uh, but that's not what Paul means. Uh, verse 22, he has reconciled you. Verse 23, if you continue in your faith. If you continue in your faith. And uh, even when he speaks about kind of powers and authorities, uh, later in uh, verse 15, he talks about how Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities and triumphed over them. Uh, this is not universal salvation. This is universal reconciliation, which is different. It means that God, through the cross, brings the universe back into its right order. God brings the universe to peace, and that means pacifying the rebellious parts of the universe. God will reconcile all things to himself through the death of Christ, and he'll do that willingly or unwillingly. On the last day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, whether they want to or not. It's not as if everyone will come into a saving relationship with God. No, God will reconcile the universe by stopping every rebellion. No one will be able to deny that Jesus is Lord. So we could say too much about this idea, but equally we could say too little about it. Uh, we could say that the cross only affects me and my salvation. That, that's what the cross is about. It's a personal, individual thing. But Paul shows us just how significant the cross is. And it has a cosmic significance. It affects the entire universe. The message of the cross is the answer to the world's problems. The message of the cross is the answer to the world's problems. Our ultimate hope for our universe only comes from God. It is only as the universe is put right that we can have hope for our world. Now, some people take that unhelpfully and say that means we shouldn't do anything else uh, in, the, in the meantime. Um, you know, it's, it's pointless working for racial reconciliation, for example. Uh, but no, that's to misunderstand the significance of what Paul is saying. Uh, if you uh, were um, at the cathedral on, on uh, Friday night or you were watching online, uh, you would have uh, seen uh, that our new Archbishop, uh, Kanishka Raphael, was uh, installed as Archbishop, and he preached a sermon on the cross. And I commend it to you. If you get a chance, it's online. Uh, to, uh, do watch it. And he talked about this very idea. And he said, you know, all these other problems in the world that we need to address are important, uh, but it's the cross that shapes the way that we address them. It's the cross that shapes the way that we address them. And it's the cross that reminds us that Christian responses to these other problems are responses that are driven by the fundamental reconciliation that God has achieved through the cross. But uh, other things, as important as they are, cannot bring ultimate restoration. Only as people are reconciled to God will the universe be restored to its original intention. 
But why? Why is it the cross that is the means for reconciliation for the universe? Uh, Can't God just sort of wipe the slate uh, clean? Can't he just forgive and forget? I guess in one form or another, we've been thinking about that question throughout this series on the cross. Why does it have to be the death of God's Son on the cross? Why the cross? Well, again, I think the answer lies right back at the beginning of the Bible. Do you remember uh, what God said to Adam in the garden? Uh, Genesis 2, verse 6, the Lord commanded the man, saying, You're surely, uh, uh, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Uh, there is a penalty, if you like, uh, stitched into the very fabric of the universe, the way that God has set the universe up. If you rebel against me, if you sin, you will die. And so for God to be true to his word, he needs to execute that penalty. Uh, God can't just go against his word. Sinners have to pay the penalty for death. But wonderfully, on the cross... God, in the person of his Son, has paid the penalty that we owe. That penalty has been dealt with on the cross, and so God can recreate the world and be true to his word. And uh, Paul makes that uh, passage in uh, chapter 2 that Evie read for us. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 13, when you Uh, were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Do you see the, uh, the, the order? He's forgiven us because he's dealt with our sin on the cross. And it's the same, it applies to us at an individual level, it applies to the universe. God can restore the universe because he's dealt with that fundamental problem of human sin. And so the cross has cosmic significance. But secondly, God reconciles us to himself by the cross of Christ. Uh, What is true of the universe is true of us at a personal level. Each one of us has a fundamental problem. It's not a lack of education. It's not our our health. It's not our social standing. Our Our fundamental problem, our root problem, is our relationship with God. Now, all of us innately have a broken, sinful relationship with God. Uh, We tend to think of sin in terms of uh, individual acts, disobediences, etc., and those are important to think about, but at its fundamental level, our problem is our broken relationship with God. Uh, Verse 21, chapter 1, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Alienated from God, out of relationship with him, enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Uh, Paul talks about uh, our enmity being uh, located in our minds. By that, he means the center of our beings, the, the aspect of us that directs our lives. And that shows itself in our behavior 
in our rebellion against God. But wonderfully, God has done something about our problem. Verse 22, now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Uh, Verse 22 uh, gives us uh, the wonderful truth of the gospel. Uh, Whatever your life looks like, however far you have wandered from God, uh, you can be reconciled, you can become a friend of God by Christ's death on the cross. And so, uh, no matter what your life has looked like, you can stand before God, as Paul says, without blemish and free from accusation. Free from accusation without blemish. But the key is, verse 23, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope of the gospel. Faith connects us to Christ and the cross. Uh, Faith is not relying on ourselves, but relying on what Jesus and his death uh, achieves for you. And faith is not a one-time decision. Uh, Faith is more a relationship of continually to trust in Christ and his death on the cross. But the cross reconciles us uh, to God. Thirdly, uh, God reconciles us to one another by the cross of Christ. Uh, Later in the letter, Paul uh, exhorts the Colossians to bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. If we're, while we were his enemies, God reconciled us uh, by the death of his son, uh, we can be reconciled to one another. If God's reconciled us, how can we not be reconciled to others? Only the cross, though, can affect the kind of deep reconciliation that the Bible talks about. Uh, Laura Hillenbrand uh, wrote a book uh, entitled Unbroken, uh, which tells the story of Louis Zamperini. Uh, He was shot down on a bombing mission during World War II, and he managed to survive 47 days at sea, only to be captured by the enemy and sent to a POW camp for two years. Uh, This particular camp was utterly brutal, and he was profoundly mistreated by his guards. Uh, One in particular treated him horrifically. Uh, The book is about how Zamperini remains unbroken. Uh, He survives to the end uh, of the war. Uh, But the the last chapter of the book, in some ways, is the most uh, amazing. And if you've seen the film, um, the film doesn't deal with the last chapter of the book. The last chapter of the book describes how Zamperini hits rock bottom after the war. Not surprisingly, his life just falls apart. But he's invited to hear Billy Graham preach the gospel, and he's converted uh, to Christ, and his life is transformed. And one of the first things that he does is he seeks out his former captors to be reconciled to them. Now, some of them are open, some of them are not, uh, but the point is that it's the gospel of the cross that had the power to transform his life so profoundly that he would seek out the men who had basically tortured them so that he could offer them forgiveness and reconciliation. When we think about the cross, our tendency is always to reduce it just to the means by which I'm put right with God. And that is a wonderful and powerful truth. 
But the cross is so much more than that. It's the means by which God restores or reconciles the very fabric of the universe. And so, as Christians, it is the means by which we can be reconciled to one another and to everyone else. The cross is the message we proclaim. The cross is what shapes our lives uh, together. It shapes how we relate to one another. It shapes how we relate to the world. The cross means we relate with forgiveness and gentleness. Not weakness. Jesus was not weak. He was clear as he warned people about the judgment that is to come. He was very pointed in rebuking uh, hypocrisy. But he was tender and gentle and forgiving. Uh, even asking God to forgive those who were crucifying him. The cross reconciles the world to God. The cross reconciles us to God. The cross reconciles us to each other. Just as we finish, let's just uh, step back and think about uh, some application. I think understanding the reconciling power of the cross uh, can impact us in a number of ways. Uh, first of all, as Christians, it, it shapes our message to the world. Uh, we've been reminded that the cross is the way uh, that God repairs, restores, reconciles the universe. He doesn't just erase all the problems, he actually deals with them in a way that maintains his justice and allows him to act with mercy. It's the cross of Christ that is the hope for the world. And so we proclaim the cross. Uh, Paul told the Corinthians, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Obviously, he spoke about other things, but at the heart of his message was the cross. That's the message we have for the world. There is hope because you can be reconciled to God. You can find peace, forgiveness, healing, restoration, everything you long for, everything you need, but only in the cross of Christ. Secondly, it shapes the way that we relate to one another as a church family. Um, uh, we forgive as the Lord forgave us. Is there someone in this room, is there someone in the wider church family that you need to forgive? Someone who's hurt you, someone who's sinned against you. God reconciled you to himself through the cross of Christ. The Lord has forgiven you. And this morning he is telling you to forgive as he has forgiven you. Thirdly, the cross should uh, shape the way that we think about ourselves. Uh, do you uh, worry about whether your sin has been forgiven? Uh, do you worry that God loves you? Well, the cross shows you how much God does love you. Uh, the cross shows you how much God loved you even when you were his enemy. He sent his son to die for you to reconcile you. And now that you are friends with God through trusting in the cross, how much more can you be sure of his love for you? That sin that you struggle with, that sin you feel ashamed about, you've confessed it, but you're not sure that God has forgiven you, look to the cross. That is how you know you are forgiven. That is how you know that God loves you. That is how you know that you are reconciled to God. 
That is how you know that you are a friend of God. Finally, maybe you're here this morning, and uh, as you've heard uh, what the Bible said, you know that the direction of your life is away from God. Uh, You might uh, call yourself a Christian, but you know that the direction of your life is away from God. Well, the message of uh, uh, the passage we've been looking at this morning, the message of the Bible, is that it is only by trusting in Jesus' death on the cross that you can be made right with God. There is no other way to be put right with God. It is trusting Jesus and his death on the cross. And there would be no better day than today uh, to do that. So can I urge you to put your trust in the only thing that can make you right with God? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank and praise you for the reconciling power of the cross. Uh, We thank you that your Son, in whom all the fullness of deity dwells, uh, willingly surrendered to death on the cross, took the penalty for sin that we deserve, and so reconciled us to you and enabled uh, the entire universe to be restored into right order with you. And Father, we do pray for uh, anyone here who is not sure where they stand with you. Uh, We do pray that they would uh, look to the cross of Christ as their only hope for salvation. And we ask this all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.